0: this week. I'm so excited about that. Uh, Derek is a good friend of mine. Hey, you guys have an awesome mute pastor. You know that? You you and your church are really blessed to have Derek. He's a good, good friend of mine. And for every story he has about me, I have a story about him. So, several of those would probably involve his hair. Like, they So... Hey, I want to tell you a little bit about myself, okay? I'm uh, married to my beautiful wife, April, and I have a picture of her, I believe, that we can show you. So, this is my beautiful wife, April, and our second little girl named uh, Macy, and so I love my wife. we have been married for 10 years, and she wow. is absolutely beautiful to me, and uh, she is a, a treasure in, in my life. We have four children. And so, when the Lord said, "Be fruitful and multiply," we were taking that literally. And so, we have uh, four children. So, here's our oldest daughter, Mackenzie, in this picture. And so, collected all. She is going into the first grade in the fall. She's Excited about that, and I think she's lost about 67 teeth in the past year. Once she realized she could get paid for teeth that come out of her mouth, I think she decided to capitalize on that, and so she's ripping them out as fast as she can. And so that's our daughter, Mackenzie, and the next is Macy, and she, our next, or we have Malin here, and Malin is her son, and just a little secret he's a dump. So just in case you don't know, He came to our family through adoption. The other day, I was talking about how none of our kids really look like me. Our girls have bright blonde hair and beautiful blue eyes like their mom, and none of my characteristics praise the good name of Jesus. To which my daughter Macy replied, Dad don't you know that you and Malin both have brown eyes? I'm like, we're practically twins! We're practically twins! And so so there's our, our little boy, Malin, and then uh, I think there's a video of him. You can watch that. It'll just kind of ush. You can go to the next one. It's, uh, our, there's Macy. There's our second daughter. And she's adorable. And uh, I don't know, everybody firstborn, oldest kid in your family? Kind of family. All right, Woo! firstborn. All oh, right, here we go, firstborn. All right, you can put your hands down. Firstborns, they want to do. Is. they're sweet, they're wonderful, they're overachievers. And so, isn't that right? Isn't that right? And so, and so our daughter Mackenzie is sweet. And she comes up and says things like, Dad, if I could pick any dad in the world, I would pick you. Like, oh, thank you so much. And Macy's like, can I go live with G and Bob, Grandma and Grandpa? I'm like, how does this happen? Like, one's so amazing and one's but we love her. She's a whole lot of her. Okay? And then we have uh, another uh, little guy named Baylor. Oh! Everybody go like this. Everybody go like this. You can see him. All right? So that's our son, Baylor. And he's not very old. And so uh, in that picture, he's like minutes old. But uh, now in real life, he's about 10 weeks old. And he does what a lot of babies do. And if you have babies in your home, you know Yeah, yeah. You know what babies do. And so... That's me, and that is our family. You want me to use that one? Okay. I'll do whatever you want me to do. How's that? How's that? Is that better? Is that better? Is that better? Is that better? This microphone make me sound like this. This is a neat microphone here. So that's my family. So I have my wife, and then I have four wonderful children, whom I love very much. And so I'm a student pastor in Louisville, Kentucky, and have been for 10 years. And so I love hanging out with uh, students. It's what God's called me and called our family to do. And so as we share these times together, I want to make some promises to you. And I would like for you to make some promises to me. Okay. first promise I'll make to you is this. Um, I will be concise. I will be as long as I need to be. Okay. I will make sure to take the most of the time that we have because I know that the mind can only absorb what the buns can endure. And so we will uh, move through our time purposefully and intentionally. I also promise to teach you from, from the Word of God. And the Word of God is powerful. And so I want us to do something. When when I say let's turn to Genesis chapter 1 like I'll say in a few minutes, I want applause. I want applause for the Word of God. So let's just try it. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 1. that's the way we're going to go. Because we can applaud a lot of things, whether you're a Heat fan or a Thunder fan. We can applaud a lot of things, but we're going to applaud the Word of God. And the third promise I'm going to make you is this. Is I'm not going to treat you like children. Because because I don't think you are children. Because I think you are young men, and I think you are young women. And I think that God is going to cause you young men to grow up and be godly husbands, fathers, and leaders. And I think God is going to raise up the young ladies in here to be godly wives, mothers, and foundation builders, all being missionaries to a lost and dying world. And I'll tell you this: I don't think that you are the church of tomorrow. I think you are the church of today, and I think God can and will use you do to do incredible things. So that's my promise to you. Now I want you to make a few promises to me that we're going to dive in. Okay? Uh, promise number one is this: I want you to pay attention. All right? So everybody sit up straight. Everybody sit up straight. Everybody ready? Everybody sit up straight. We're going to pay attention. All right? We promise to pay attention? Promise. Kind of like this. All right. Promise number two is this. Uh, I want you to uh, bring your uh, Bible and a notebook and a pen, and I want you to take notes, okay? I want you to write things down. They say you only remember 20% of the stuff that you just listened to, but of the things that you listen to and write down, you remember 80% of that stuff. I wouldn't have remembered to tell you that if I had not written it down. So there we go with that, okay? That's that's your your promise to me. And you'll take notes and track along. And then, thirdly, is this last promise I want you to make? Is I want you to listen with spiritual ears. Okay. I want you to listen with spiritual ears, because I think that through these worship services at night and in the morning, I think God will speak to us through His Word and through the Holy Spirit. And so, everybody, say, "I'm." Grab your ears like this. Nobody's too cool. Everybody, say, "I'm listening." With spiritual, ears. with spiritual ears. One more time. I am listening. I am listening. With spiritual ears. With spiritual ears. All right. Let's go. Genesis chapter one. Let's go. Come on. Genesis chapter, one. Genesis chapter one, verse twenty-six. This week we're going to be talking about the kingdom. Now, there's three different terms that are used for the kingdom. Throughout Scripture, there's the kingdom of God, there's the kingdom of heaven, and then there's the kingdom of Christ. And sometimes you come to those terms in Scripture and you're like, I don't... You ever come to something in Scripture and you're like, I don't know what that means. So you kind of just skip over it. Anybody been guilty of that before? I haven't on seminary for like 20 years, all right? We've all been there. So you read those things, you're like, I don't, talk, I don't know what he's talking about. But those three terms, kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, kingdom of Christ, can be used Synonymously. Alright, so I know we're not in school, but they can be used interchangeably. They can all be used to describe the same thing. They all serve the same purpose. You know, some of you play Xbox with a black controller. Alright, some of you play Xbox with a white controller. Some of you play Xbox with that janky, non-Microsoft brand controller that barely works. Anybody got one of those at home? They, like barely works? The ship knocks don't work? You give it to your friends, so you can beat them? Alright, you can use those interchangeably, okay? The terms for the kingdom can be used one for another different places during the scripture now second thing about the kingdom we're going to learn is this the kingdom is already but not yet kingdom is already but not yet everybody say already already but not yet yet. it's already Already. But but not yet so the kingdom of god is here in a way but it's not yet full and we'll learn a lot more about that third introductory point before we dive into things here okay the kingdom of God is this. The kingdom of God is God's people and God's place for God's purpose. The kingdom of God is God's people and God's place for God's purpose. Everybody say God's people. God's people. God's place. God's place. And God's purpose. God's purpose. So you put all those together and you have the kingdom of God that is already here in a way, but not here. Yet, for and so let's look at why God would need to set up a kingdom in Genesis chapter 1. All right, let's go there. Genesis 1, we're going to start reading in verse 26. Here we go. Then God said, Let us, and so He says, Let us. This is God the Father. God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, together speaking as the Trinity, one God, three persons, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And so, God creates man here in Genesis chapter 1 after His image. Being made in the image of God means that you are like God and you represent God on earth. This tells you and this tells me that no one is junk. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 9 says that we are God's ship. That word could also be used as masterpiece. Everybody look up at me. Look at me. You are God's masterpiece. You are special in the eyes of God. You may not feel like you're very loved, But you are loved by your God who created you special and in His image. And there is absolutely no one or nothing that can take that away from you. You are made in the image of God as special. Let's read on. It says, And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth and all around Camp Cherokee. Verse 27, that's not actually in there. What version is that? It's camp Verse 27, so God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created him. Male and female, He created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, there it is, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing, that moves on the earth. So God creates man. He doesn't just say, hey man, there, go. Just frolic about, Adam. Adam, don't just kind of dance around the garden and do nothing. No. Adam is in the garden exercising dominion over the creation. He has a job. He's working. He's doing things. And so God not only creates us in His image. He not only creates us special. He not only loves us with every fiber of His being. But He gives us things to do on earth earth. We're not just supposed to just just bounce about aimlessly, but it gives us something to do. Turn over to Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. Genesis 2, 18. Yeah. Genesis 2, 18. Let's go. we Says, then the Lord God said, it's not good that the man should be alone. So you remember in Genesis chapter one, God's creating all the things. He's creating fish fishes and pterodactyls and all kinds of velociraptors and rhinoceroses and hippopotami and bringing all these animals and creating the heavens and the sky and the earth and everything. And what does he say? He created it and it was what? He created it and it was what? He created it and it was what? So these things are very, very good. He prayed to man. He says that it's very good. But then in Genesis 2:18, he says it's what? It's not what. He said it's not good. It's not good that the man should be alone. But he sent a helper to be with the man. Let's read on. And see what it says. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all livestock and all birds of the heavens and every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So Adam is sitting there naked on a stump. And all these animals are coming along. And he's like jackalope, giraffe, hippodipotami, it's walking by. He's like, I don't really see one of these things that I have a very good connection with. We have Buck here, the dog, who's a great little dog. You can kind of play with him a little bit, but he's not like, like us. You know what I'm saying? And so Adam was feeling lonely. He just felt like he needed someone to help him, someone there to take care of him and, and to do things with him. In verse uh, 21, it says, So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man he made into him and brought her to the man. Then the man said, This is at last bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called woe man. she was taken out of man. So there, the Lord God does the first anesthesiology, puts Adam to sleep, he does the first surgery, he takes the rib out, out, creates the woman, Adam wakes up, and there before Adam, is the most beautiful woman who's ever lived. (laughs) The only woman who's ever lived. And so that makes her the most beautiful woman that's ever lived. And he says, Whoa, man! And so there God creates marriage and says the two of them were brought together and they were naked and they felt no shame. I'm just, it's right there, it's right there on the deck. And so God creates marriage and it's good. God creates man, puts him together in marriage and that is good. And so God has not only a perfect relationship with man, but man has a perfect relationship with with woman, and everything is good in God's kingdom. Everything is as God created it to be, and it is good. But something happens. God says to Adam and Eve, "Do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You can eat any other tree that you want, but there's one that you cannot eat of. You know the story. You've been around stuff. Adam took the apple, or Eve took the apple, took a bite." While Adam stood passively aside, Eve gave it to Adam, Adam took a bite, and there they sinned before the Lord. And the relationship between people and God and the relationship between people and people was broken and not as God intended it to be. And so, from this point on, we see all throughout the Scriptures God ushering in His kingdom see God setting up His people, setting up His place, and setting up His purpose. If you just hear the kingdom of God, kingdom of Christ, the kingdom of heaven, and heaven and all these things, but you don't understand what God went through in order to establish the kingdom, then you won't really understand the kingdom. And so we have to understand exactly what is going on. And so, God loves you and I in an incredible way. And we all want to be loved. Don't we? Every one of us wants to be loved. I mean, some of you guys, some, not all, got a little fixed up to come here tonight, put a little something, something in your hair, put a cool hat on, put a clean little shirt on, looked in the dirty little mirror there in the bathroom and thought about somebody and came walking this way. And girls, for some odd reason, here at camp, you brought curling irons and flat irons and makeup and other kind of makeup items because you want to look nice, right? I mean, you want to look nice. And sometimes you listen to a song. You listen to a song and somebody's singing about love. It's Taylor Swift. You're caught up in a love. saying? We all, we all want to be loved. We all want to have the affirmation of other people. And what we ultimately have is affirmation that comes from God because we're created in his image. But you and I personally, not just in stuff we see here in the Bible, not just theoretically, not just maybe, but you and I sin before a holy God. We're created in his image, but we sin before God. Sin is this. Sin is disobeying God by either commission or omission. It's this. this. Either by doing stuff you shouldn't do or not doing the stuff you should do. We all disobey God by either doing the stuff that we shouldn't do or by not doing the stuff we should do. And so here's here's an illustration for you. Let's just say that I had a magic app on my phone. Okay? Besides Temple Run. Let's just say I had another magic app on my phone. And I were to go around the room and just magically just kind of point to people. And then point up on the screen. And then up on that screen, we could have all of your thoughts for the whole day.
1: I go over here and
0: you said, "Really? Huh? Huh? Wow! Okay. That'd be pretty scary, wouldn't it? I mean, for other people to, to see the things that we think, for other people to understand the things that go through our mind, the things that we don't want anybody else to find out about. Here's the thing." Our Father in Heaven sees absolutely everything that we do. And because He created us, He has the responsibility to judge us for what we do. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And everyone in this room has disobeyed God either by doing things we shouldn't do or by not doing the things that we should do. Every single one of us. And we are on the hook before a holy, righteous God. He has every right to judge us. Because He created us. He owns us. We belong to Him. I had a, I, I used to have a hamster. I used to have a hamster? A lot of people used to have a hamster. I had a hamster... I had a hamster named uh, Rocket and of all of the the six or seven hamsters that I owned, uh, Rocket was my favorite. I would pet Rocket, I would hang out with Rocket, I would feed Rocket, I would clean his cage every once every three or four months. So one day, like most hamsters, Rocket got out. So I was searching frantically about the house. Mom, Rocket is missing. Where has Rocket gone? Where could he be? What happened to Rocket? And sure enough, the side of his cage had a little, had a little nibble, nibble out the side, and Rocket was gone. And so on with the search. This is before Google. So how do you find a hamster without Google? And so I'm looking all over the place, looking under the bed, looking in the couch cushions, looking in the dirty clothes hamper, I'm looking everywhere for Rocket until I heard a little sound. I knew exactly where Rocket was. Rocket had crawled between the carpet and the stairs, the little space there, and he was back, burrowed into his little spot. And so there I am, and all of my nine-year-old self trying to figure out how I'm gonna get Rocket out of the stairs. And so I'm thinking, so I go get some food, he's not interested in food. I go get some water, and he's not interested in water. So I did what any good owner would do. He belonged to me. And so I reached into that stair thing, and I pulled Rocket out, most of them. And he survived. He pressed through, but not quite as hairy as he once was. And that was Rocket. Now here's the thing. It's a silly, it's a silly little hamster. It's a goofy little story. But Rocket belonged to me. And he meant something to me. He, I was his rightful owner. And so I had every right to tell him what to do. And I have every right to go looking for him when he was gone You have a Heavenly Father who loves you more than you could ever understand. You have a Heavenly Father who, although you sin and you have a broken relationship with Him, desires to have a right relationship with you. In 2010, I met my son, Malan, for the first time, and he was two and a half years old, and I had seen a couple of pictures of him uh, that the adoption agency had sent us, and we were excited to meet him, and so we traveled 24 hours on a plane and a couple hours into the city of Addis Ababa, Ethiopia, to be able to... Media, and it was one of the most exciting but emotionally charged days that I've ever experienced. And so, my wife and I were in a in a little rickety van uh, with this guy driving, and we didn't really know where we were going, other than if you've ever driven in another country, it'll do a lot for your prayer life. So we were driving around like crazy, and uh, drove through everything. Looks like. A lot of things look like the slums in Ethiopia. It's a very poor, very desperate place. But I remember pulling up to a little building. It didn't look like much. It didn't look like a cute orphanage out of a movie or what you read about in books. It was a kind of a a, a nail salon place with a thing above it and then another building to the side and this white painted fence that was in between. It was a little bit crooked. Our van pulled up in front and I got out and the driver through a translator told us, this is the place where your son has been living for the past four months. Our son was given up by his his grandmother and grandfather because his biological father passed away while his wife was uh, pregnant. And so with no one to care for him, no one to provide food and everything that he needed, they gave him up for uh, adoption. They walked about two and a half hours uh, barefoot to go to the orphanage to drop a And so there we were as a new family as the Lord brought us to him and him to us in this time for us to meet him as mom and dad. And they opened that white painted gate and we walked down a, an alley and there was a little room where I could hear some children playing and I, I didn't even know what to think or what to feel at that moment. But before too long, uh, one of the men who was with us looked into the room and said, "Na na na na, Guma." It says, "Na nas, come here." And Almirek, and Guma was was his name. We tweaked it to Malin because we thought that might go over better and roll call the first day of class. And so uh, we tweaked that a little bit. Said, "Na na, Guma." Guma came out, and sure enough, we're standing there as as a mom and a dad. And there's a little boy standing there with a dirty little blue hoodie on, holding a big, giant, yellow punch ball. And we looked at him in his eyes, and he looked at us, and he got the biggest smile on his face, he knows. And we, I picked him up, and he wiggled and yelled, and I put him right back down, and he looked at my wife and smiled, and she picked him up. And he wiggled and screamed, so she put him back down. And he ran back in the room. And we spent the rest of the day feeding him, watching him drink coffee as a two-year-old. We spent the time playing with blocks. We'd spent the time painting. We spent the time together, and it was just an unbelievable time. And here's here's what that story tells tells you. Here's what that story tells me. It's a it's a nice story about us meeting our son, and now. He's like many other spoiled four year old Americans. But it shows me a little bit about my Heavenly Father. That our sin has orphaned us from God who loves us unbelievably. But that God who knows, even though we sin, even though He sees every wrong thing that we do, loves us despite and sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins. He was buried, He rose again, victorious over sin, sickness, and death. And we can put our faith and hope and trust in Him, and God will adopt us into His family as His children. I don't look at my different children and say, oh, here's Mackenzie, and she's so nice, and she came to our family biologically, and here's Malin, but he's adopted, and he's kind of a little lower. No, God accepts us all in, despite any kind of background that we have. No matter what you've done, if you come in humble faith and turn from your sin and toward Jesus Christ and throw yourself upon Him and His goodness and His mercy, He will save you and God will adopt you into His family and give you a right relationship with Him and He will restore the relationship that you can have with the people around you. We're going to do it. We're going to do it right. So let me tell you. Let me tell you where you fit in this story. Okay. Let me tell you. Let me tell you how this works. At night time, like this, it's in the morning. We're gonna have an uh, invitation time. And here's how it's gonna work each night. Uh, when I say go, we'll we'll bow our heads, close our eyes, and we'll pray together you'll have an opportunity opportunity to respond. Here's how that looks. Responding will just look like standing up, walking out, and talking to an adult about what God's doing in your life. We're not going to make it weird for you. We're not going to call you out. But it will be an opportunity for you to talk to somebody else about what the Lord is doing in your life. Let me read one more verse to you. And say one more thing and we'll be gone. Okay? Is that cool? Is that right? Genesis chapter 3. Woo! Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. God is having a conversation here with the serpent, the one who had tempted Eve, and Eve fell. And when Eve shared the apple with Adam, sin entered the world and caused sin and the curse and rebellion and all that there is. God makes a promise to so that snake. Now, let me say something before I read this, okay? Because verses can just kind of become verses, right? You just kind of read them, and some guy up there reading stuff, you just kind of follow along. Everybody look at me. We've, we've all felt the curse at work in the world. We've all felt sin at work in the world. In two ways. One is some of you have already made decisions in your life to sin. Maybe you've done something with a guy or done something with a girl. Maybe you have expressed unbelievable anger toward a mother or father or people you stay with. Maybe you've lied about things. or Maybe there's things that you've done that you hope nobody ever finds out about. And you feel the weight and the guilt of that. I know you do because I have. And you might not act like it, but you feel the guilt of that. Some of you feel the work of the curse and sin in the world because of things that other people have done to you or things that other people have said to you. Maybe mom or dad at one point talked to you about their future. And you went through a tough experience with them. You feel that. And it hurts on the inside. Maybe you have somebody in your life who's passed away and you thought at that time, why would God do this? I mean, if God loves me, if God loves us, if God is good, why would He do something like this? Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. It says to the serpent. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. And the offspring of this woman will bruise the head of the serpent and you shall bruise his head. Here God says to the snake who introduced sin into the world, that sin that you feel because of your decisions... And the sin that you feel because the consequences of what other people have done. He says to this serpent, there's going to come a man from this woman that you tempted. His name will be Jesus. And he will pound his heel into your head and kill you. And that man's name will be Jesus. Because Jesus came. And even though you and I can't live, you, Jesus did. And He died on the cross for our sins. And He rose victorious over all of Satan's plans of sin, sickness, and death. And He's coming again someday to make all things right. And that same Jesus comes to you and says, even though you feel your sin, even though you are guilty before your Father, I want to have a relationship with you. I want to give you my righteousness so that you can be right with your heavenly. Father. And that, that is the good news of the kingdom of God. I like us to bow our heads. Let like us bow our heads. Right there where you are. I want you to pray before the Lord and just think. Just think. Right there before the Lord. In this place, at this time uh, tonight, I want you to know that God loves you. You're created in his image and your specialty. I want you to think about the guilt of your sin before God. Some of you have put all your faith and hope and trust in Jesus. And you feel that you have a relationship with Him. You're following Him. Keep going. Keep growing. Some of you have been playing a game. You might have done a few things or acted like it along the way but you don't really have a real relationship with Jesus. With everybody's head bowed and everybody's eyes closed and nobody cheating. If if you don't know if you have a right relationship with God, I'm not going to ask you to do anything tonight, but if you don't know if you have a relationship with Jesus, if you don't know if you have forgiveness of your sins, can you look up at me and raise your hand so I can see you? Okay. All right. All right, see you in the back. All right. All right. Yeah. All right. Seven. All right. All right. All right. All right. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. All right. Everybody's head bowed. Everybody's eyes closed. Listen to this. You know, the best way to tell whether or not you're a Christ follower is this Are you following Christ? God has made a way for you to be adopted into His family. To be a part of His Kingdom. To be a part of His place. To be a part of His purpose. And that's come through Jesus Christ. And so after I say Amen, we're going to stand and sing. And tonight, if you want to go grab a leader and talk with them about what the Lord is doing in your life, I want you to go and do that. If you looked up at me, I want you to think about maybe this is your time to go and talk with one of them about what the Lord's doing in your life. And they would love to talk to you about that. Father in Heaven, we thank You for Jesus and just how good He is and how powerful He is. We thank You for His victory over sin, sickness, and death. And Father in Heaven, I pray in the name of Jesus for anybody here who does not know if they have forgiveness of their sins and a relationship with You. Father, I pray that they would turn toward Jesus with absolutely everything they have. And throw all of who they are on him. Father, I pray for students in this room who have felt the weight of sin because of their own choices and the choices of others. Pray they would worship Jesus and what he has done so that, Father, you may take what Satan meant for evil and use it for good in your glory. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together.